0: Off. Where'd Tiffany go? Right. Tiffany, did you say pruney Christians? I don't know exactly what that is. Now, that's good. It's good. <laughs> Pruny Christians, as in prune. I, that was, I don't know if I've used that before, but I'll try to save them for a sermon sometime. I actually guarantee you that. And you know, I don't know where this fits into my message tonight, but David, I was singing that song and with you, and I, the message tonight is on Joseph, and, and I chose it for the reason. I really still have in my mind the idea that this crowd, this crowd that's largely older, is the Legacy Builders. It, has, it was with me last week, it's with me this week, that we have such a huge responsibility. I said something, and I'm not sure anyone got it last week, I think it was last week, but I said, you know, who's going who's to make the apple dumplings? Who's going who's to cook the dumplings? Who's going to do the funeral dinners? And, and then I went on to say though, more important than that, who's going to teach? Who's going to be the deacons? Who's going to be the leaders? Who's going to be the givers of the next generation? And it's up to us as legacy builders to instill in the younger generation, the ones behind us, to instill in that generation the legacy of serving God. We have a huge responsibility. That's kind of what I want to convey tonight um, with, with the idea of Joseph. But the strangest thing that popped in my brain was, is when I was thinking about Joseph, and I imagined him looking at baby Jesus. And, and this is, I mean, I'm, this is true. I'm not just like making this up because it made like a good story. I imagined him looking at baby Jesus and saying these words. Well, Jesus, I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. It's the God of angel armies, who's always by my side. And Jesus, the one who reigns forever by the way, that's you, the one who reigns forever, He is a friend of mine. The God of angels' armies is always by my side. Can you imagine Jesus, the earthly father I'm sorry, Joseph, the Earthly Father of Jesus, thinking these thoughts? It probably did not happen because he didn't have the full revelation. Of all that was going to happen with Jesus. But he could have said it. Amen? 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 So I just thought that was, it just really just, I thought that was just pretty cool. So, so let's say as an example that God was going to run an advertisement in the newspaper looking for a father for Jesus. Wonder what he would write. Wonder what he would put in the paper looking for a someone to, um, to father earthly in the sense of responsibility and mentoring and all that, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we all understand that, that you know, Mother's Day gets a better spill than Father's Day. And, and in the Bible, Mary gets a lot more publicity than Joseph. But I want to leave you with the thought today that Joseph was really just as important as Mary. Even though Mary bore the child, also Joseph put his fingerprints on the child. So take your Bibles and look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18. We're going to look at three scriptures tonight together, all in the book of Matthew. We're going to look at the birth of Jesus. We're going to look when they flee to Egypt and then when they come back home. And we're going to look at some job descriptions, some statements that that God may have given to Joseph or the prospective father of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it starts out, and again, just ride with me on this. I know you know the story very well, but stay with me. It says, the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, I still find this so interesting, is And again, if you don't know this, it's even more interesting, that really Jesus' name was Joshua, okay? In the Hebrew, Jesus is Joshua, and it means Jehovah is salvation. Jesus is the Greek translation of the name Joshua, okay? Means the same, Je- Jehovah is salvation. So very interesting. And there are lots of boys. There are lots of boys who were named Jesus. It was a very common name, kind of like Mark and John and all those different names. It was given to a lot of boys. But Matthew makes sure we understand what sets this Joshua, this Jesus, apart is the second word. The birth of Jesus Christ. That sets it apart. The word Christ is the word that means anointed. It means Messiah. Messiah. So this was not just any Joshua. This was not just any Jesus. It was the Jesus, who we're going to hear later on, who would, who would be born to save the world from their sins. It was the Jesus who was to be, the, and is the Messiah. So the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. And keep in mind that Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. He wants them to understand that Jesus was the fulfillment of prophecies predicting the birth of the anointed ones. So the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way after his mother, and here we go, after his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph. Now listen, there had to be a Mary. There had to be a Mary. There had to be an earthly mom who would come and her womb would be the incubator for the Savior of the world. So there had to be a mom, but also a Joseph was needed. Notice I didn't say required, but it was needed. God knew that in His divine plan that there was a dad and a mom and there was a man, that God needed a man who would step into the gap and who would put his fingerprints, a godly man who would put his fingerprints on the Son of God. And who knows, in some young person's life, you might, sir, you might be that Joseph, that God may put someone in your life that you can put the fingerprints in. Um, I'm trying to think here a moment. I know who it was. It was Terry Guest. And Terry Guest's father, Terry Guest's father, was raised by a stepfather and this his dad abandoned his you know terry guest father's dad abandoned ship early on just left and and his mother the grant you know his mother married and married this wonderful man and this man stepped in with Several kids, I don't remember how many, but stepped in so much. And one of the things that Terry loves to say about this man, which would be his grandfather, he said, I didn't know he was your step-grandfather. And Terry will tell you, he was not my step-grandfather, he was my grandfather. Thank God for men who will step into the gap and fill the gap for young people, particularly, and sometimes for ladies, who need someone to secure and love them. Joseph was that kind of man. Amen? So so here's Mary and here's Joseph. And oh no, oh no. It was discovered and there's an element of surprise here. In the, in the Greek it carries the idea of when it says it was discovered that there's about to be a surprise. Um, we wanted so badly to get Tyler to be the in the skit and that didn't work out because of his schedule. But we kind of envisioned you know, him being like a Gomer Pyle character. You remember, Gomer Pyle used to go, Surprise, surprise, surprise. Well, I can imagine Gomer Pyle being there, and it was discovered, Surprise, 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 that she was pregnant before they came together. Now, you... Probably can't. We know the whole story. We know you know, the intervention of God, and we know all of that going on, and we know the great plan, and it's the birth of Jesus, and all of that. But you understand culture didn't know that. Joseph didn't know that. The parents didn't know that. The family didn't know that. The community didn't know that. No one knew that. So it was a devastating surprise when it came out that she was pregnant before they came together. Now, now understand, and you're going to see it in verse 21, understand verse 21 where it says, so her husband Joseph. You really need to understand Jewish culture and the way the marriage was handled. Here's how it worked in Jewish culture. Um, You had a a man and a woman, and they were betrothed for certainly the time, usually about a year. And, And they were legally married even though the marriage was not consummated. They did not live together. She stayed in the mom and dad's house, her mom and dad's house. He stayed with his mom and dad. After a year, they were brought together. The marriage was consummated, and that was the final act of the marriage. But for every legal purpose, they were already husband, and they were already wife. So imagine again with that knowledge how devastating it would have been for the news to come out that this young girl, Mary, was now pregnant. And again... Two things that Matthew makes very clear, it was before they came together, and then what we know, Joseph didn't know at this point, we know it was by the Holy Spirit. But keep in mind, very limited, probably just Mary knew that at this point. All right. So we see first off the job description of Joseph. He needed this this man who was going to speak into the life of Mary and speak into the life of Jesus. Needed to be a man of faith. And guys, I'm going to tell you right now. There's a lot of things that's needed in this world. But your family needs for you to be a man of faith. Faith. You know, the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And we are to walk by faith and not by sight. And Joseph was a man who walked by faith. And God calls us as husbands, as, as um, fathers, as grandfathers, as men in our community to be, a man, to be a man of faith. So in verse 21, So her husband Joseph, now note this, being a righteous man, a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly." Let me read that again because it's pretty good. So, the, so her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. Now the term righteous man there is someone who tries to act in accordance to what God requires. A righteous man is someone who walks or tries to act in accordance to what God requires. Now, here's the deal. As a righteous man, he would, of course, not been party to an adulterous situation. Either way, he would not want to be involved with a woman that committed adultery, nor would he have wanted to commit adultery. So, so he was a righteous man, and he would not have been wanting to evolve in that. So if he was to just up and marry, marry, <laughs> marry, marry, then he was saying, I'm guilty of adultery. I'm the father of this child. I am guilty. And that really was a problem because he was a righteous man. And he did not want to be accused of something so grievous as adultery, certainly when he was not guilty. So he's a righteous man, but he's also a compassionate man. Look what it says. Not wanting to disgrace her publicly. He had enough compassion in his heart where he did not want to slander and hurt Mary. And I remember from the movie, it was really good, the movie, um, The Nativity, where he talks about Mary. And Joseph says this line. He says, I will make no public accusation. And without public accusation, there can be no trial. And with no trial, there can be no stoning. He really saved Mary's life. He was willing to do that. He said, I don't make if he made an accusation against her and she was found pregnant, he was not the father, um, then, then she would be stoned to death. Alright, so so he says, he says to himself and says to the family, I will not make a public accusation, so therefore there'll be no trial and there'll be no stoning. And he was compassionate. He simply loved this woman and did not want her to go through this shame and disgrace. And He decided to divorce her secretly. Keep in mind, this was a legal thing. They were already legally married, even though the marriage had not been consummated. So so you see, again, this man of faith, this man, this righteous man, this godly man, wanting to do... Catch us out, guys. Catch us this fly ball, okay? Wanting to do the right thing. Lord, give us hearts where we want to do the right thing. We're going to stumble... We're going to fall. We're going to fumble the ball. But God give us hearts to want to do the right thing. So, verse 20. As he considered these things, you know, he's mulling them over. He gets in his, as, as Mark Gunner, said, Gun, Gun, Gunner says, he says he got in his nothing box. He gets away, you know, when, sometimes when your husband is like off in La La Land, ladies, and you think, you know, he's not thinking about anything. He really is. He's mulling things over. He's like a, child, a cow that does the, the cud thing, you know, spits it back up and chews on it for a while. Well, as he considers these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appears to him in a dream. Now, this is going to be a repair, recurring thing in the life of Joseph. He appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. Now, this is, so, this is a real good tie in. You know, God requires men of faith. Now, listen, men. The journey of faith requires many things, but it does not require you to be afraid. The journey of faith requires many things, but it does not require you nor call you to be afraid. He says, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And here it is. Because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. Now, let me put that in a way I think it, it really works well. Joseph... I know every ounce of evidence makes it look like Mary's been unfaithful to you. I know everything, she's pregnant, you're not the father. So everything, all the evidence says she has been unfaithful. But Joseph, she's not been unfaithful, she's been more faithful than ever. She is too, like you, is a woman of great faith. Don't be afraid because the thing conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And, of course, you know what that means. That means that there was not another man involved. There was God involved. There was not another man involved. There was God involved. And, verse 21, she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Now, this is just a small footnote that's so powerful. Things that, that we really need to grab hold of when we see them. Because he will save his people from what? From, from their sins. From their sins. Now keep in mind, the Jewish people were constantly saying and wanting a Redeemer, a Savior who would come and would deliver them from Rome. He would deliver them from oppression. From the get-go. From the get-go, it was God's plan that this Savior would not come to set up an earthly kingdom and deliver the nation of Israel from an oppression. He would deliver them from the ultimate oppression, and that is their sin. He would be called Jesus. He would be called Savior, Joshua. The Jehovah is salvation. And He will save their people, His people, from their sin. Sins. Now, Now again, keep it in mind that Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience and trying to make sure they understand what's going on. He does a little recap. So in verse number 22, he says, Now, this is God's plan. All this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, this is Isaiah. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel. Now, this is something you see a lot in the Bible, and we see it some in culture. Okay, now I've already told you. I told you a long time ago um, that one of my favorite terms that you can call me is preacher. I love it because that's what I love to do. I love to teach the Word of God and say, "Hey, preacher." Okay. Well, the word Emmanuel means God with us. And although Jesus was never called Emmanuel, like you didn't go on the street and say, "Hey, Emmanuel," it's who he was. It's who he was. You have called me preacher because that is who I am. I am a preacher of the gospel. And Jesus was Emmanuel because he did not have an earthly father. He only had a heavenly father and an earthly mom. He was Emmanuel. He was the God-man. He was man, uh, 100% God and 100% man. He was God with us. Amen? And that translates, God is with us. So, the Bible says in verse 24... So, when Joseph got up from sleeping, this is, I mean, it's just like, what is it, eight words, ten words? When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her. So phenomenal. Simple faith. Simple faith. Men, let's be men who have simple faith. Who simply choose, mm -hmm, who simply choose to believe God." Now, when he married her, you remember one thing I said earlier on? That if he married Mary, then he was assuming the guilt of that sin, the proposed sin in the eyes of the community. That, That if she's pregnant and he marries her, then he's saying, I'm the father of the child. He was willing to assume all responsibilities and all circumstances in marrying her. And he was willing to do that because he trusted God. God sometimes calls us to do hard things. But if God calls us, he will equip us. When God calls us, he will equip us. So when he woke up from this dream and he married Mary, he said, I don't care what the people say. I don't care what the naysayers say. I don't care what the temple priests say. I will marry her because I am willing to believe and trust God. But notice this. He also laid down his rights. As a husband, once the the marriage came together, he had the right to consummate that marriage. They came and lived together. He had the right to consummate that marriage. But look what. Verse 25 says, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son. He laid down his rights as husband. Is this a man of faith or what? Is this a man of faith or what? And he believed what God said about the child. When he agrees and he named the child Jesus, he's believing and agreeing with what God said about the child that was in the womb of Mary. Joseph was a man of faith. So, if the advertisement ran in the paper, needed a earthly father for the son of God, he must be a man of faith. And guess what? Joseph was. Joseph what? May we also be men of faith? Now, secondly, and this is found in Matthew chapter two, verse number thirteen. Fast forward a couple of years. The family still lives in Bethlehem. We talked about this back at Christmas time. We believe that the uh, the wise men showed up about two years after the birth of Jesus Christ, and the family's still in um, Bethlehem. And the wise men, according to verse number 13 of chapter 2, have just now left. Okay, they've just now departed. So when they, the kings, were gone, an angel of the Lord suddenly to Joseph, appeared suddenly to Joseph in a dream. So, after they were gone, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to Joseph in a dream. And here's what he said. Get up. Take the child and his mother and flee to Jesus. Take this child and the mother and flee to Egypt. Egypt? Yes. Because in this case, Egypt was a place of refuge. In this case, Egypt was a place of refuge. Now, he says this, For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So guess what he did? He got up. And guess what he did? He took the child. He did, Sheila. He did. I'm sure, imagine, some, by this now, if, if in fact the wise men came two years after the birth of Jesus, there was some sense of normalcy. We're not sure why he didn't return back home, why he stayed in Bethlehem. He did. And we can probably safely assume uh, that because he was a carpenter, he had gone back to carpenter work. He established some sense of normalcy in his life. And just when things got normal again, God shakes up normal. Has that ever happened in your life? You know, God does that sometimes. He takes our normal and shakes it up. Well, in this case, the dream comes and you need to leave, you need to take it right away, take the mother and the child to Egypt because Herod will search for the child to destroy him. So he got up. He took the child and his mother during the night. Now, how quick was that? He's in a dream. He wakes up the same night and takes Mary and Joseph. He, Mary and Jesus. He sensed the urgency of the moment And obeyed. Men, may we be men who obey God. May we be men who obey God. May we sense the urgency of this day and obey God. May we sense the urgency of this day and obey God. And the Bible says in verse 15 He stayed in Egypt until Herod's death so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled out of Egypt. I called my son. So the second thing that the advertisement would say, he must be a man of faith, but he also must be a man of obedience. Men, I pray that we will be men of obedience. And by the way, yes, we're going to drop the ball. We're going to fumble the ball. But may our desire, our heart's desire be that we are men of obedience. And finally this, in verse 19, we see Joseph as a man of discernment, and wisdom. Now, now, let me pause here. I was, I was about done studying this afternoon, and, and this came to my mind, and I thought it was pretty good. And this is, this is good for the guys and the gals, both of It doesn't matter. Once again, we see a sense of normalcy. Even though they're in Egypt, there's a sense of normalcy. Life had returned, you know, probably opened a carpenter shop I was there in Egypt to make a living. And doing the carpenter thing, there's a sense of normalcy. And once again, God interrupts his normalcy. Okay? And the Bible says, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in... This man dreams a lot. (laughs) He dreams a lot. Yeah, yeah, in a dream to to Joseph in Egypt. Now, here's what, what just kind of jumped out at me. There's no indication that Joseph grew tired of God's interruptions. There's no indication in Scripture that Joseph ever said... Not again, God. I mean, come on. We just got the carpenter shop going again. Do, do we have to do this again? Come on. Come on. Tell me we don't do that to God. You won't do it at church, and you won't do it with people see. But come on. Tell me you haven't said, God, not again. Come on. Joseph never grew tired of God's interruptions. I love that thought. And God, may we be, may I be, and may we be the kind of people Who doesn't grow tired of your interruptions. And by the way, it's kind of, Marcia, it's kind of good because if God's interrupted, that means He's around. I mean, come on. If you haven't heard from God, seen God, talked to God, or know God's around for 10 years, you might want to check something out. It's kind of good when God pokes you inside and says, Excuse me, it's time to do something again. Well, that's what happened to Joseph. He appears in a dream and and, while he's in Egypt. In verse 20 saying, get up. (laughs) It always does. Get up. Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. And I think the best way to put this is, is that it was time for the king to go home. It was time for the king to go home. You know, remember Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? And ultimately he was the king of the world. But it was time for the king to go home to his homeland. And, of course, the logical reason was because those who sought the child's life are now dead. Herod's gone. So it's time to go home. So, guess what he did? Yeah, look. Verse 21. He got up. (laughs) Normalcy. He got up. He took the child and his mother and he entered the land of Israel. Now, now this is that third thing. This is where you really see what I was trying to share. You know, must be a man of discernment and wisdom. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judah in the place of his father Herod, he became afraid to go there. Now, let me explain this. Um, ladies, what do y'all call that thing y'all get sometime that, that gives you like an uneasy feeling? Premonition? Intuition? Into, oh, a woman's intuition. Is that right? Yeah. Y'all, you know how y'all get that woman's intuition thing going on? Well, Joseph had a dude intuition. Okay? There was something... See, dude intuition sounds a lot better anyway. Okay? So... But we'll let you have dudette. You can have a dudette intuition. Okay? So he had something, an angst here. He had an angst in his spirit that something wasn't right. Okay? So, so when he heard this, something didn't feel right, all right? So he pauses, and sure enough, guess what happened? He has another dream. How about that? He you know, has another dream. So being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. Then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth, to fulfill what was spoken to the prophets that he will be called a Nazarene. And I just wonder, you know, I wonder if this ancient spirit somehow ended up in Nazarene. You, You do understand that Nazarene, Nazareth was not a place that you probably would settle your family. I mean, you know, again, you remember Nathaniel when he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, it wasn't that good of a place to raise a family in the sense that it was maybe the wrong side of the tracks kind of a concept. But he ends up there. And he ends up there because the word of God said Jesus would be called a Nazarene. And even in that way, he was willing to listen to God and obey God and settle his family in an unlikely place. And he would raise his family in this unlikely place. And then shortly after this, a little bit further down the road, but not a whole lot, Joseph, this man of God, fades from the scene. Roz didn't didn't get a, a big splash with a funeral, didn't say we're mourned for him thirty days. He just disappears. He dies. He dies. But he dies at God's timing and when the mission was done. When the fingerprints that God wanted to put on Jesus' life by Joseph were, were done. Then he slips off to the sunset. He dies and goes home. So if God was printing an ad today in the paper, and he was saying, on this Father's Day, these legacy builders, he would say, hey, legacy builders, you know, can you be a man of faith? Are you willing to be a man of obedience? Are you willing to be a man of wisdom and discernment? Are you willing to be a man who follows me. And guys I just can't tell you enough. We need this desperately. Once again. I'm, a, I'm just as bold as I can be this week on this. This building's going to be filled. With young girls. And young boys. And they need. Godly people in their lives. You may not be able to run track with them. You may not even be able to lift them. But you can come and love on them. I want to challenge you. Tonight. Come on out tomorrow. Can come one day, come one day. Can two, that's great, come two. But come and be a legacy builder as our campus here is filled with young lives. Many of them who need a mentor, a legacy builder who will speak into their lives. Let's pray together. Hey, thanks, Father, very much for this opportunity and this privilege. I want to pray, Lord, that you'll be with us now as we begin Bible school this next week. Father, I know we kind of spoke to the guys tonight, but just like you need men of faith, you need women of faith. Just like you need men of obedience, you need women of obedience. Just like you need men of wisdom and discernment, you need women of wisdom and discernment. May we be those men and those women. Father, I pray that, that Lord, as we have this time of decision, Father, you'll speak into our lives for tomorrow. Father, we need your, you need to fill us with your compassion, can fill us with your love, can fill us with your mercy, can fill us, Lord, with the, with the goodness of Jesus Christ that we may splash over onto these young kids. Father, the Apostle Paul wrote, may we not grow weary in well-doing. May we not grow weary in well-doing. So we love you tonight. And we want to thank you for this good day, this Father's Day. And I want to pray, Father, that we will be the legacy builders That you want us to be. And Jesus I pray this in your name. Amen.